time to rejoin the conversation. We are back, and okay, here we go. Party politics. So, well, we're going to talk about Trump, but not in the way you think. Uh, Before he was the president, he was a developer, and he was on TV. But something that got me really curious was how Trump went from a developer in the 80s that uh, everyone perceived as having having it all and being, you know, the darling of the development world to in the 90s being almost a joke to the 2000s with The Apprentice and how The Apprentice changed a joke into what a lot of people considered the American dream that they wanted to be, and that put him in the White House. So, um, preface for anybody out there listening, podcast land, we are not here to discuss uh, Trump as a politician. Um, You know, anything that he's done... In the past two years, we know it well. We spent an entire year talking about it last year. Uh, so that's not what we're here to talk about. We're, we're here to talk about an actually interesting character who is Donald Trump. So um, there on Netflix, there's a... Um, a docu-series about Donald Trump. I actually got a chance to watch that. And then there's another series that I cannot remember in one of the episodes focused on Donald Trump. Um, But the thing that I took away from both of those was that uh, wasn't, you know, our president and and the tweets and, you know, all of the stuff that... um, you know, we can sit back and argue over because we can. Um, but the thing that I really took away was who was this kid and how did he get to the point of becoming the president of the United States? You know, and and that's actually an interesting journey. And a lot of the things that People, some people like, some people dislike about Trump. You can see the seeds of uh, all the way back in the 80s. So, um, so let's start with development number one, um, which was um, which was a hotel development that I'm really forgetting the name of right now but um it was the first time that trump realized that you know you kind of had to work with the political powers that be to um get things done in new york city um if you if you don't know anything about trump his father was uh, a real estate developer who developed mostly in the boroughs and not in Manhattan. Um, Mostly housing um, uh, Brooklyn and the Bronx and stuff like that. And that's where kind of the Trump family made its money. And then by the time Trump, Donald Trump becomes, uh, wants to become a developer in his 20s, he decides to go with this hotel development. And for the most part, um, it goes relatively smoothly and relatively well. It's not a um, exorbitant sized building or anything like that, but it's definitely um, a solid uh, development to put on uh, any developer's resume by, by any stretch. Um, 
but the thing that it, that stuck out to me was um, him learning about getting tax abatements and um, needing needing those, and because he was probably thirty to forty million dollars short um, on what money was going to be necessary to develop this property and the tax abatements were going to be necessary to even get the thing done. Um, and kind of the fight that he had with the city and the, the need to get the city hall on board with giving him these tax abatements because, um, so you're starting to see the prowess with how to deal with power. Um, you know, you're starting to see the prowess um, be, begin to grow. And uh, then actually the second development starts after Giuliani takes office. And uh, he's sending these uh, <laughs> kind of antagonizing letters to Rudy Giuliani because kind of famously him and Rudy Giuliani don't get along. And, uh, um, and the antagonizing letters are about the, um, the uh, ice skating rink that's in Central Park. Uh, so the city had spent years trying to get this ice skating rink uh, rebuilt. Um, and Donald, basically, his antagonizing letters basically were, um, you know, the city is failing us. There's no good reason why it should take this long to get this ice skating rink built. Um, I can do it. Not only uh, the city has taken taken seven years. Um, I won't even take seven months. I'll do it in six months and I'll get this rink done. So he partners with uh, another development company that actually is going to be the ones doing the work. Um, and they get it done. They get, they get the rink done. They get it done uh, in actually four or five months. And um, how he pitched it to the other d development company is um, there's going to be so much incredible publicity um, that, you know, I need you to just do the work. I don't, you know, I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not paying you. Right, <laughs> exactly. So the faces around the table are like, what? Um, I'm, I, I'm not paying you, but... It's going to pay so many residuals in the publicity um, and goodwill because you did something this grand for New York City that you should do it. And they fell for that. And they and they <laughs> fell for that. Um, and so the day that the uh, ribbon cutting uh, is supposed to happen on the new skating rink um, because they... They moved uh, heaven and earth to actually get all the concrete because at the time, um, in New York City in particular, the mob controlled the concrete. Um, so they moved heaven and earth to get all the concrete they needed to pour for this new uh, skating rink. They get it done. They get it done um, I'll, er, early. I'll the mob got paid. Uh, I'm sure they got paid. <laughs> um, uh, so... On time and under budget, they got it done. And then uh, at the ribbon cutting, um, not only does Donald Trump take the podium alone to take credit for, uh, and, and I quote, Donald Trump has brought you your new skating rink. Um, he does not mention nor invite his co-developer to the podium at all. So all of the publicity that he promised them, uh, they don't get. So this is development number two. Now we move on to probably his signature development. 
which is, of course, Trump Tower in New York City. And there's there's a corner. Um, uh, 50, 56th or 57th and 5th, I cannot remember the exact uh, the exact uh, the exact corner, but it was um, probably the most prime real estate in New York City. And um, at the time, um, across either across the street or right in front of the development uh, is where um, Tiffany is. So he found a way to. Um, he designed this uh, amazing building at the time, and uh, and uh, and he found a way to buy the air rights above Tiffany's, so that nobody could build anything there that was going to uh, block the views of Trump Tower. Um, and he built this building, um, and now to his credit. Um, the uh, actual lead engineer um, for all of the issues that he's had with women over the years, um, you know, with some of the name calling and whatever, whatever, the lead engineer on that building was a woman. And, uh, and, and really, uh, except for Donald's approval, uh, you know, she oversaw, you know, every aspect of building uh, Trump Tower and and after you know after you know that building was complete that's when you know the the reputation of Donald Trump being you know the kind of darling of the development world and um, was kind of cemented and then he wanted to build a casino. And here's where the cracks in the veneer start to start to show. He builds probably the most grand casino that uh, Atlantic City uh, could ever see. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem. He knows nothing about the gaming industry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and to this day, um, it sits as an empty ghost building. Well, you know, Steve Wynn, mm-hmm. who controls, and of course, he's a Trump supporter now. And of course, he got forced out of his uh, business alliance. Um, Trump wanted to go into L.A., I mean, to Las Vegas. Uh-huh. And Steve Wynn and the uh, Gaming Commission in Nevada didn't really want Trump around. Yeah. You know, so he had... Well, because he had a failed casino in Atlantic City. He had City. to go to Atlantic City, and that's, you know... <clears throat> That's that's kind of forced him into that deal in the first place, I think. And even back in the eighties, he was wanting to go to the Vegas and do that. Yeah, yeah. And and which Steve, which Steve Wynn has too much control out there, and there's no way he was going to let Trump come in and, and do anything. <coughs> I mean, and well, and he eventually he didn't know anything about the gaming. Well, you know, industry. Steve Wynn. I didn't say Steve Wynn was right or wrong. Yeah, you know, he, fair enough. He was probably right because you know Steve Wynn knows the gaming. And it's tied in, of course, with everything out there. So, you know, it's kind of interesting how, how there, there are still people that can play in the world that can control and say, yeah, you ain't coming here. Now, right. so no matter how much money you have. Just to be fair on the Las Vegas story, that was initially true until Trump partnered up with somebody with a ton more money than Steve Wynn had. <laughs> who was actually a buddy of mine, a guy who played in a band with his dad. Uh, is a guy named Phil Ruffin from Wichita mm. who owns God and the Catholic Church and everything else that goes with it. <laughs> and uh, now there's a Trump place in Las Vegas. Yes, mm. yes, there is. I, I just recently got back from New York City and I just stopped by the Trump Tower just for kicks. I just showed Big David picture and it was swamped with Secret Service. I'm talking about armed guards with mm-hmm. huge guns. I'm like, man, this is crazy. Mm. Um, yes. You know, doesn't Lonnie live there? I don't know if she lives there any longer. It, well, they still small, they still no, keep a residence there. Have to maintain there. a residence there, and yeah. that's residence. one of the reasons the Secret Service is going broke. In addition mm-hmm. to just their constant travel, which is just nonstop. Yeah, uh, it was swamped. I mean, imagine security in New York City 
at that place. I mean, God, that's got to be the hardest place to do it and the most expensive. Yeah. But to get back and to that in particular corner, yeah, is near impossible to secure. Oh, you're right there on it's Fifth Avenue. Yeah, super busy. Right, right and on Fifth Avenue. Yeah. To, to piggyback off the, the the roller rink, and I just watched something like this on Netflix about this whole story. Um, the ice skating rink was extremely small. Yeah, no, it's not uh, huge. It, yeah, it, I mean, yeah, it's, it's probably a bigger ice skating rink. In, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. Really small. Uh, Crown Center's Center. probably bigger. No, no, no. This it's is the Central one Park. in Central Park. Yeah. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, it, honestly, Crown Center's probably bigger. And I was like, wow, this is... It's, it's just it's, a normal... Yeah, it's very small, but it's got Trump all <laughs> throughout it. I was yeah. like, yeah, it's, that's, wow, that's crazy, yeah, man. That's part of the course with that. Yeah. So, so the deal with the Trump Tower that you were talking about earlier... Right. ...was... So, contrary to almost every single building that went up in the 80s, uh, which is a lot of steel girders and stuff like that, and uh, a very particular kind of cement, he decided to go with ready-mix concrete, which is very difficult to use, and the company that happened to provide it was owned by uh, a guy named Fat Tony Salerno, who's <laughs> the head of the largest uh, crime family in New York City. I and think he's also, related to my wife. Yeah, maybe. And Paul Castellano <laughs> also helped out uh, because he got and busted Paul in the early Castellano. 90s for um, hiring all kinds of illegal Polish workers mm. uh, against union rules, obviously, which you would think would start an enormous union picket outside of your place and any number of issues. But it turned out that that was never a problem at his place. <laughs> and he was able to cheat the federal government for a very long time uh, and then got busted in the 90s. Uh, but yeah, they never seemed to picket that one. And the union guys still showed up with the concrete. Yeah, he still showed um, up. And they did, an, they did a partial check. When he went to uh, New Jersey, did a very partial check of his background. He got him to only check six months of his background, which is unheard of in a, you know, in a gambling place, and especially in Atlantic City, which is full of organized crime already. Mm. So there, there's, yeah, it's legit. He was definitely tied in with the mob for oh, sure. Yeah. Hey, in mean, construction, you're only as good as your last day. Just no. saying. Yeah, no, I'm you tied yeah. in with the mob, big day. Yeah, I'm working on it, baby. I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Okay, so let's move forward. Um, there's one or two other developments in the 80s. Um, um, because, you know, his biggest thing was, um, the Trump family name was not getting the respect, uh, as, as successful as, as Fred uh, Trump was, his father, um, he wasn't a Manhattan developer. And in New York City, there's developing in the boroughs and then there's developing in Manhattan. You know, and, that, and that's like, you know, in Chicago, you, you develop in any other part of the city or you're developing downtown. And that's... And that is another class of of money. That's another class of wealth. That's another class of development. And so, yes. and yeah, it's definitely status. And and what uh, Trump really wanted was to gain the status for his family and his family's name. Um, but as the uh, you know, as the 80s, kind of like the you know roaring 20s, come to a close, uh, and the economy downturns. You know he he finds it much more difficult to get funding. Um, he's definitely not uh, developing anything the way that he used to be developing things. Uh, and as the 90s roll in, um, he discovers. Licensing. So, he goes overseas. Uh, he's invited to uh, a grand opening of some beautiful towers in an Asian country. I can I can't remember the name of the country right now. But he asks the uh, 
the developers and bigwigs that are there, what is the name of this of the of these towers? And they say to him, uh, probably the worst thing they could say to Donald Trump, they don't have a name. And he goes, only half jokingly, you should call them the Trump Towers. And they go, you know what? Yeah, let's do that. Because uh, Donald Trump over there, he's, he's a famous developer. And having the Trump name on these can't hurt anything. Branding. Yeah, absolutely. So they brand those towers, you know, Trump, uh, I've, uh, oh, good gravy. Uh, they, br- they brand those with the Trump name. And, uh, and, you know, and he gets, I want to say, you know, like a million dollars to lend his name. And that is when, so for everybody out there who's like, well, there's Trump property everywhere. The one thing I learned between these documentaries that I watched is actually in New York City in particular, there's actually only five buildings that Trump built. The rest of them were either built by his father and those weren't commercial towers those are all uh yeah those are all like some kind of housing like uh there's one uh area called the trump village that his father built um the other 17 are all licensing deals um including um places that you would assume were trump's like uh like the trump international hotel and things like that um uh so, as the 90s go on, um, the developing itself is drying up, but the licensing is getting better and better. Um, he's doing a lot more of that, and, uh, and he's, and, but to keep up with his lifestyle, he's, it's still not as lucrative as, you know, you'd want that to be. Um, so he starts doing, you know, TV commercials yeah. and, uh, you know, I think famously there was like a Pizza Hut commercial with, you know, with the stuffed crust. Yes. Uh, yeah. So the big thing with that was uh, sort of a, a, a funny thing that Americans love is anybody who uh, breaks the mold or uh, does something you know, untowardly, you know, uh, eating, eating pizza backwards <laughs> was the thing. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's was like, it? oh, Donald Trump's eating a pizza crust first. Right. And they went wild over it. Yes. But before that, he brought back Grimace. Uh, yes. For McDonald's. I remember that commercial. Yeah. Where he's hugging Grimace at the yeah. end of the commercial. He was, he was the most unloved of the uh, McDonald's. Of the McDonald's characters. Yeah. Yes. And he was like, you know, like Grimace. Like, yeah. And, what are uh, you doing here? Yeah. Yeah. So there was the Grimace thing, then there was the eating pizza backwards. Um, I don't really remember much else of what he did. Yeah. Other than his. Own branding, what was it? Trump steaks and mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. Trump the game. Yeah, um, uh, he 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 like tried a, he tried a failed uh, uh, air. He wasn't calling it an airline. He was calling it an air shuttle for a while. Trump shuttle. <laughs> um, um, that that uh, also tanked uh, fabulously. Uh, <laughs> um, there were, um, but what he was able to do um, through the nineties was keep himself on TV. Yeah. Everybody wanted to interview Donald Trump about something or another. No, he was in Variety all the time. Yeah, yeah. Even, yeah. even from the 70s. Yeah. He was in Variety. Yeah. You I mean, know, he, was, he started off in the 70s with that deal with Madison Square Garden <clears throat> because there was a couple of Arabs that wanted to buy Madison Square Garden at the time. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that was during the oil embargo when I started working in the oil fields. And, you know, the, he ended up getting some type of half-million-dollar consultant fee on that. Right. Because he really didn't want the Arabs to buy it. Right. And he wanted, you know, the, you got to give him some credit for that. Because that would have been bad pub 
during the oil embargo to see a couple of Arabs buy Madison Square Garden. People wouldn't have liked that. That would have been a bad deal. So, you know, he kind of got tied. Ed, Ed Koch uh, was the uh, mayor at the time, and uh, I'm trying to remember who was the governor. Um, but anyway, nonetheless, he kind of got in with the governor, and he shut out Ed Koch somehow. Uh, and it, it was, I'm not dead sure on all the details on it, but, you know, that was kind of the start where Trump started creating his image. Yeah, yeah absolutely, and, and definitely. And how he could play it, and he carried it on into the yeah, 80s. Yeah, definitely in the 80s, he, he was <coughs> solidifying the image of what we now know as Donald Trump. and uh, Or at least he was beginning to craft it. Um, you know, it's funny, some of the signature phrases... Um, like kind of the kind of the point with the thumb up, you know, like a lot of the things that you see him do now um, were things that he began doing late seventies through the eighties, um, and uh, so I think the interesting thing is that we get to, like I said, we get to the nineties, and you know, and and, and like I say, it's kind of licensed palooza. And, you know, and uh, a lot of the golf courses and a lot of, you know, he does like he does own um, Mar-a-Lago, but um, plus all the modeling agencies and pageantry. Yeah. And all of that was going. Yeah. But that, but once again, that's a lot of that's a lot of licensing stuff. It's not, you know, it's a few, but it's very few actual properties he actually owned. But. Uh-huh. He has five. Yeah, yeah. So, and that, and I think that's what's interesting is that, you know, I think a lot of people's assumption is that, you know, Trump probably owns, you know, dozens of properties all over the all over the world, and and really, he owns five, and he's licensed his name to dozens. Um, yeah, you know, kind of famously or or even infamously, um, one of the worst licensing deals he probably could have ever done uh, was uh, Trump University. Yeah, you know, the he uh, that was recently, right? Yeah, uh, well, you know, in the last at, ten years. Yeah, in the last yeah. ten years, you know, he he licenses his name to Trump University and it's with the promise that you're going to learn direct directly from Donald Trump how to be Donald Trump and um but Donald Trump doesn't actually own you know this thing but his name's all over it and uh and of course when they come to realize that it's a scam you know, lots of people have, you know, lost their money and jobs. And, mm-hmm. you well, know, that, that, isn't that a problem, though, as, as a business person, when you're reaching out, trying to create a lot of different things in a lot of different areas, you're going to step on your dick every once in a while. Well, and Trump University yeah, absolutely. is definitely a place where he probably stepped on his dick because he didn't. Really pay attention to it. He just let throw his name out there. All well, that. and and I think maybe you should have been more careful. Well, and, well, well and say, I, you know, we, as a business person, I can promise you there are things I've stepped on my dick on. Right. And, and it hurts when you step on your dick. Yeah. And all you got to do from there is you got to turn around and try to recover. Well, know. and that's and uh, I think the <laughs> right, Jordan. <laughs> I think the I think you know at least with um, with Trump University. I think everybody's real problem is that uh, had you come right out and said, actually, I don't own any part of Trump University. Mm-hmm. I licensed my name, and uh, you know, and I will do whatever I can. You know, ego to, don't let you do that. Well, it, which is actually, which is actually where I'm going. <laughs> Yeah. So, as the years went on, and kind of the the ego of really the character that Trump created for himself over the years grew and grew, it became harder and harder to uh, which he already had an issue with uh, admitting 
mistakes and, right. and admit it. Controlling and, and conquering yourself. Well, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I'm sorry is not really. A, yeah, exactly. And, you know, and you know, and 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 even early on, there were, you know, the like some we saw or that came out a lot in the campaign was, you know, you know, he's a he's a he's a counterpuncher. You know, and uh, but if you really look back through old interviews and things through the 70s and 80s, you can see that part of his personality was always there. And uh, look no further than the the Rosie O'Donnell feud. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if but I I think my issue with Donald Trump, as far as that's concerned, is um, uh, somebody who worked for Trump kind of famously said there's only two types of people he punches back at. Um, if, if he perceives you as weak or if he perceives you as a direct challenge. That, to me, sounds like a classic high school hallway bully. Yeah. You know, and uh, so... You know, that that doesn't leave the greatest taste in my mouth about who he is or might be as a person. But let's move. We're, no, we're go just, ahead. Just finalize your thoughts on Trump University. That yeah. was owned by John. That wasn't a licensing deal. That was his fake university for which he uh, lost a court case and agreed to settle for the tune of $25 million in November of 2016. Wow. Ooh. Yeah, see, I, I, yeah, I definitely heard, I definitely heard that wrong or missed that piece of it anyway. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the um, judge in the case happened to be the same one he said was unqualified to serve on a federal uh, bench because he was Mexican. Oh, that's the guy. Okay. So now. From the 70s and 80s, when you're, uh, you know, kind of the wonder child of the development world, to the 90s, where you're you're on this declining slide of kind of being a joke, uh, or uh, at least a caricature, um, if not if not a joke, uh, in 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 the business world. Then we hit the 90s, which is where uh, our story really picks up out there, uh, Trump fans. Uh, the Apprentice in the, in the 2000s. So famously, the, develop, the developers of The Apprentice thought that this show would be funny. They thought that the American people would perceive the show for what they were trying to construct kind of a comedy. It was it was a reality show, but it was supposed to be a comedy reality show about this kind of, you know, almost has been businessman with these uh, with these, you know, people who are mostly not qualified to be running in any <laughs> in any kind of corporate corporate circles on that level, uh, and then with celebrities that really aren't qualified to be running on uh, corporate circles in that level. But uh, kind of the beauty of America and Americans, uh, it has really the opposite effect with Trump. Um, they did such a good job with the construction of the image of Trump they were trying to portray that people believed the image of Trump that they were portraying. Yeah. So, you know, from the boardroom to the, his office to, you know, all of the things that you see on the show um, actually are just sets on the show. You know, that office really isn't his office. That boardroom really isn't his boardroom. Um, but I think the thing that was funny to me um, was, um, so the day he announces, you know, famously he does the escalator ride um, when he's announcing. Uh, so 
and, and this is where you have to realize how savvy Donald Trump is about the media and about his image. So that shot, the escalator shot, is used a lot on The Apprentice. Um, so what you're giving them, the, the public at large, is something they already know. <laughs> they, they've seen this shot a dozen times, at least, over the, over the course of The Apprentice. And so it only goes to further solidify that the guy on the show is now the guy running for office. And uh, so I've kind of ran through, loosely ran through, kind of the narrative of kind of who he, uh, like who he was in the 70s and 80s and and in the 90s. And then, of course, uh, to the the apprentice years. but before I go forward, I know there's at least one or two people uh, at the table that have some things they want to say. You know, uh, you know what I think is hilarious? And, yes. Most likely, a lot of the producers in Hollywood that came up with this and the people that came up with the concept of it were probably, probably liberal in their policies. Probably. Not, not, probably. not true. Not true? Not true. Maybe not. But, but if that was the case, they created it. Whoever, whoever did it, maybe you know more than I do. I have no knowledge. I, 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 I have no knowledge. I can set the record straight about the appearance. So, uh, j- just for and for all fairness' sake here, because I, I am not a Trump fan, but I did look into the show afterwards because, uh, you know, we had talked about it a little bit before. So the real deal is the Trump uh, apprentice show was created by Mark Burnett. So he's the same guy who did Survivor and a bunch of other shows that are incredibly popular um, reality shows. Probably the best of the best reality shows that you know of are basically Mark, Mark Burnett's show. Unless they're contestant, you know, kind of singing and dancing kind of stuff. Um, and he is not a liberal guy. He's actually married to, I believe, Roma Downey is his wife. And they do a whole bunch of biblical they're ultra movies. Re- so they, very he, conservative, the very religious. The they're ultra-religious. Yeah. So he had, he had this, the this idea. Yeah, so he had the idea. And it wasn't specifically about Donald Trump. It was just a cool idea that he came up with called the world's toughest job interview. And then he approached Trump at the time. Trump didn't want to do it at first because he thought it would devalue the Trump brand. But... He convinced him to do it, and the way that he did it was, because we talked about this earlier, you're right, the boardroom wasn't technically his boardroom, and it wasn't technically his office, but it was all shot in Trump Tower. So yes. they, what they did was they took a floor of Trump Tower. It was a real boardroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just tricked it out for the movie set, because you can't, obviously you can't shoot right, right, on a working right. you know, boardroom or anything, and all the contestants stayed there. So the shots of the elevator and all that kind of stuff, they were That's all natural. They didn't go there and fake it, and then they're actually staying at a Ramada Inn down the road. They okay. They were in Trump Tower the entire time. Right. And one last just point, just in fairness, is these weren't flunkies who were unqualified people to do jobs. They were just people that we didn't know before who were qualified. Well, and I, I will I, say that for the first, me, for the first, before the Celebrity Apprentice, yes, you you are correct. These and are actual vouch, people. as I do know one of the contestants yeah. very well. Um, and, and is a good friend, and she was on the first season of it, and she's more qualified than almost anybody to know to run any company you want to put her in charge of. She's a phenomenal woman. So uh, it, the idea was not to get a bunch of morons and have them in there and just be fired by Donald Trump. They were good people trying to get a job and show off their skills, and a lot of them did really well with it. All that being said, it was a pretty false narrative, you know, at the end of the day uh, with the Trump stuff. I mean, he made a made a career out of it, and it became a joke after a while. Right. Dave? I don't really have a whole lot to add to it. You know, I think Chris is obviously more knowledgeable than I am on that. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, but it is— I did know it was a Margaret Nett show, and, but it and is he created, is definitely conservative. They, they definitely created a personality that— he was able to take and relate to the American public, especially the, you know the Midwestern or flyover country public. Yeah, that, that yeah absolutely. Got, that got his vote, and then not only that, he went and got the Rust Belt, which is I don't know how much the Rust Belt watched that or not. It's hard to say. You know, you're stuck inside a lot during the winter in the Rust Belt, 
And so, you know, maybe they did watch The Apprentice a lot. Yeah, but he created a cult of personality, and that's what it's always about. Yeah. That cult of personality that created an interest. And then he started getting on Fox News and talking about China and how China was taking everything long before he run. And, you know, so he, he started getting his, his personality out there in a business aspect. And, you know, this is where he was heading with it. So Yeah, I mean, I, and, and, and that's the, one of the reasons that I wanted to... <laughs> Uh, talk about kind of the creation of Trump as we know Trump today. It's really during the apprentice years that um, so there was already kind of the man, the myth, the legend of Donald Trump, you know, from from the 70s and, and 80s and his success. And then when you take you know, a bunch of people that are not necessarily very educated about who Trump is or was, uh, and then you put him on TV and say, look at how successful this guy is, and he's, you know, making future millionaires on this show. Now you have millions of people who are going, yeah, that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know... Oh, so I, I'm just going to throw what I think in general is always hard for me to accept about these types of arguments. Uh, and it's not that I completely disagree with you. I think in order to buy into it, you have to assume that everybody else except for those of us here at the table are a bunch of morons who are easily swayed by reality TV. And that kind of it gives no credit to people. What I would say is Trump was pretty good at creating a, a persona being a successful business guy, honestly, because nobody cared. I mean, who really spent the time looking into Donald Trump? He's a C-list celebrity at best. Everybody knew his name, but nobody really thought, oh, let's look into him. He, and by the way, he was reasonably successful. Yeah, yeah, I mean, no. We were kind of crapping on his licensing deals. I just looked it up. He made over $60 million in licensing his name out. They weren't all things I would license him to. Some of them, you know, made him look like an idiot, in my opinion, but... I'll take 60 million bucks for licensing my name. That to me is reasonably successful, okay. you know, and we looked it up the other day. His net worth is roughly 3.2 billion. They were saying, yeah. and again, right. that's not a cash, you know, thing, but, um, in terms of his assets and everything, that's pretty successful regardless of how you came about the money and whatever you did. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't lose it all. He didn't blow it. No, 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 so no, again, no, no. He reminds me of like a Clinton in that, you know, the best thing he did as president was just not screw up something he had going really well for him already. <laughs> and I'm like, congrats. That's awesome. But uh, it just, and this is, and again, I'm, I'm a pretty liberal person when it comes to this stuff, but I really have a hard time with arguments that are based in everybody else is a moron and only, only a handful of people can see the wisdom of it and look how everybody else gets tricked by media and all this. It, at some point, it just falls a little flat. I think where he came off good was he reminds me of just having a conversation in a bar with a guy who tells you how to solve the world's problems. And it sounds kind of good for about 10 seconds. You're like, yeah, okay, not a bad idea. You know, if you don't want illegal immigrants coming in, build a big wall. Makes a lot of sense, you know, especially when you're two drinks in, you know, and the guy's pretty funny, you know, and all that, and you're like, okay. And I think it'll... Keep in mind, or it's also coming off Cracky of, Town, for instance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you're coming off as Cracky Town will be an episode uh, right. for another podcast. Okay. But you're coming <laughs> off as 16 years of guys who are pretty, like them or not, they were on the opposite <laughs> sides of the spectrum. But they were both pretty buttoned up guys, pretty by the book. Uh, you know, neither one of them was super, super interesting, really. You know, uh, and, and so I think all of a sudden you get this guy who comes along being a jackass, but with with 140 characters of how to solve the world's problems. And it can be kind of appealing at times, especially when your other candidate that you're running against is one of the least dynamic people ever. Yeah. And I'm saying that as my candidate. I voted for her. And yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, candidate. And, yeah, and, and, and so and, it, it and, makes and, sense. Yes, you are correct in, in that uh, because I also voted uh, in, in that direction. And just to finish the thought, let me throw one last thing, and then yeah. this is all I got on this talk because I don't know that much about it. But... What I would say is you have a guy who maybe was good at business and you have a, a person, Hillary, who definitely was not good at business. And I mean, she was a good politician, I guess, to some degree. And her husband was even better. Her husband was definitely better. But regardless, she did. She did OK on her own. Either way, at a time where you're feeling like the country really needs jobs between the two of them. 
I could see somebody going, listen, I don't like him, but maybe he knows how to make jobs. I don't know, but let's give him because we know she doesn't. So let's just go with it. And so I think that's probably why he won a lot of those Rust Belt yeah. states. Yeah. Well, and he campaigned there relentlessly, sure. whereas she, she never went. ignored them. Yeah. She never went. She just assumed, oh, well, I'm running against Donald Trump. Uh, he's just going to shoot himself in the foot. But they didn't care about him doing that. They cared about him coming out and saying, like, look, I'm going to try. Now, whether or not he did that, that's another argument entirely. But he at least went out and said something. Sure. And being, being the least bad of two bad options doesn't mean that you're in favor of him. It just means eh, like, you got to choose between the two. And he, I've met plenty of people who just said, better. look, like, I didn't like Donald, but Hillary's awful. I just, yeah. Well, I mean, this is Donald. more of a reaction to her than right. a reaction in his favor. Yes. In, in construction, we have a saying about assume. It's very simple. ASS, you and me. Yeah, you make an ass out of you and me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. aware. That's also a military thing. Don't assume. Yeah. yeah. Same thing in the military. Right? Yeah, never assume. It's, it's, what you assume, you done stepped on. No, the, what to use my old, that term I've been using combat, you step on your dick. Trust me, as <laughs> I, I think Chris and I would both agree on this, as more liberal-minded people, that the DNC was just rampantly incompetent and dropped the entire ball on picking a candidate that and, could and be cor- Donald Trump. And, and, and she people. won't go away. And, and corrupt. I mean, <laughs> she's really, uh, she, she has pretty much gone away. It's just Fox News keeps talking about her all the time. <laughs> what really did yeah, set me really back and almost, almost made me think twice about it was it, it wasn't just ineptitude. It was flat out corruption in the DNC. Oh, yes. I mean, that's that's worse. For all the yeah. things that we want to say about Trump being corrupt, and I completely agree that he is. Sure. And I, I have, I'm assuming that Russians had something to do with the election, and I think he's bought and sold a thousand times over by foreign interests. Well, I, I think that the money is going to get followed on yeah, that. It will eventually, and when it happens, great. Yeah, they were equally as corrupt. Getting. They were equally as corrupt in trying to put her into office. They had yeah. the whole thing rigged, and that's just as bad. Yep. You know, so no, it's bad all the way around. And absolutely. I could talk about that specifically for a long period of time, but yeah. that's not what yeah, we're yeah, going to yeah. do. Yeah. And but I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yes. All right. So I think that uh, at least I hope that the conversation here today is maybe shed some light for some people who weren't supporters of Donald Trump um, as to why he may have wound up in office. Um, Now, I think it's a completely different conversation, the job that that he's doing, all of that, whether you hate his tweets, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't even. And this want panel it. would argue strong about. It. Well, yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> and, and which is which is the reason that that wasn't a part of what I wanted to talk about. But the fact that you have somebody who was, you know, as uh, as as the kids would say, slept on, that was able to. say things in a way that got people's attention and then on the other side of the fence um, you have you know you have a candidate that um, whether corrupt or not I think the real problem is uh, the DNC has found itself in a place of utter ineptitude with um, what candidates to run and how to run a candidate. Um, they they did they did not learn anything from yeah. from Washington from Schultz from, was a disaster. Well, it's like they didn't learn anything from Obama running. It's like Obama really had a good playlist on how to run a candidate, right. whether or not he was a perfect candidate or not. No, the playbook was be a force of nature, and that's about it. I well, mean, like come on, like, and, like, and, and, and he was duplicate. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, he was. It doesn't work that way all the time. But I would say, like maybe a more interesting question at some degree for the people. Who are listening uh, is to ask yourself, would it really have mattered if you knew all of this stuff? And boy, you know, 
I have this whole dossier of research in front of me. Dossier being a tricky word these days. But I have all this research in front of me, and I know all of Donald Trump's business scenes on this. Would it really have mattered? No, in my opinion, because it's the exact same thing that all the people who voted for Hillary, myself included, I could rattle off all the shit she did. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. documentaries about that, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I didn't care. Yeah. And I'm going to assume that everybody else who voted for Trump just didn't care. And they don't care. At some point. Yeah. I, I get that he was doing business with the mob. So, I don't know, we were way that's kind of cool. You know, I'm like, sweet, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Genevieve's family's not talking to me. So, <laughs> you know, good for you, man. But I, I just, it, it's a time and place vote. And it really was a choice between two bad people. And, you know, we got one. Yeah. We are going to get one either way. Yeah. Still constantly wonder what would have happened if they would have given Bernie a chance to run against him. Nothing. Yeah, <laughs> think he would have gotten slaughtered? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And with that... But I think he would have at least campaigned the Rust Belt. But, yeah, go ahead. Probably. Probably. Mm-hmm. And with that, we'll be right back. Hey, you having a good time? Let me introduce you to a couple of my media brothers. First, www.americathemixtape.com. A cipher on American politics, society, and culture. And where'd I get that mixtape? Of course, www.cornerbodega.us. Purveyors of urban culture. Come on, let's get back to the party. And we are back. And before we get out of here, let's talk about today's sugar, honey, iced tea. And for those that don't know, these are things that I or a member of the group have found that are really cool, a.k.a. the shit. Uh, And today's uh, sugar, honey, iced tea is being slept on. And the reason that being slept on is the shit is because uh, if they stop believing, you can reinvent yourself any way you want. And you can sneak up on your haters, and whether you deserve it or not, you can win. And with that, I'm going to end this podcast away and all podcasts, and that is with the toast that started it all for me, and that is the good to good times with good people. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Cheers.